Tonight, the title of the message is, I'm Not Feeling It. I'm going to just let that sink in for just a minute. We, uh, we live in a culture today that is very sensitive. We're very, uh, we're driven by emotions. That commercial you just watched was made, uh, obviously not in America, uh, but it was made by a company who their goal is to make you cry. That's their goal. I see that they've succeeded for a lot of you tonight. If you weren't able to read it, it doesn't matter. You get the gist of what was going on in, in the video. And that was their purpose. And th- that's all this company does is make commercials to try to make people cry. Why? Because if they can reach your emotion, they can reach you. The story was great. The, the, the purpose of the story, communication, the greatest communication, love, that's great. And that'll preach. But that's not what we're preaching tonight. What we're preaching tonight is, I'm not feeling it. And i got to be just completely honest, which y'all wouldn't expect anything else from me. It's just realness that sometimes I wake up and I don't feel it. I don't feel it. The presence of God. (gasps) You're getting fired. You're a pastor. Let's just be real with each other tonight because you don't either. There's times in your life when you may be going about your day and things are just terrible. And you say, I'm just not feeling it. And that may be where you are tonight. not supposed to be emotional that was supposed to be part of what we're not doing this message came about because I had a student that texted me with the question and said what do I do I'm just not feeling it I just feel like I want to give up And I dare say that if you look over there at some of those kids, probably you could say the same thing at times. But you know, there was a purpose to what I showed you, of what I tried to get you to understand, that God is not emotional. You see, if I asked you the question, and, and this is the statement that I returned to that student was, how do you know if you do feel God? Because that's where we got to start to realize if we don't feel God. And here's the answer that most of you would probably say if you said, I, this is what feeling God is about. Goosebumps, tingly feelings, teary eyes, emotion. Boy, I, had, I felt it. I felt the presence of God. How many times do we say that? How many times do our kids hear us say that? we got to be very careful with what we teach, with our actions. Because so many times we are teaching a culture of kids that God is about emotion. And I'm not trying to tell you God's just some absent that doesn't feel or or doesn't deal with emotions. It is, but here's what the point I'm trying to tell you is, that ain't where the substance bases itself. We We don't just base God on what we feel today. 
I, I want to read some scripture to you, and this is how we're going to open up. Because, let me back up just a second, because what I would say is the commercial that you just saw, based upon what we just read of feeling God, you would have said, I just felt God in that commercial. That company is not a Christian-based company. They're humanitarian. They're a humanitarian company. They're about loving their neighbor and doing good works. Those are all great things, but they brought you to tears. So in our culture, in what a lot of our children are looking at in church, it's I want to feel the presence of God. I want to leave with tingly goosebumps and crying. I want to feel the presence of God. you follow what I'm saying? Psalms 88, if you have your Bibles, turn there. We're going to be turning to a lot of Scripture tonight, but I want you to start in Psalms 88. In Psalms 88, beginning in verse 1, the psalmist writes, Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. And I want to I just start off by saying, look at verse 1. It sets the tone for who we're dealing with here. This is not a lost person. He says, the God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. May my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry, for I have had enough troubles and my life is near show. I am counted among these going down to the pit. I'm like a man without strength, abandoned among the dead. I'm like the slain lying in the grave whom you no longer remember and who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest part of the pit, in the darkest place in the depths. Your wrath weighs heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. And I'm going to stop there. You can continue reading if you wish, but you get the just. The psalmist is crying out. Does this sound like a person that's feeling the presence of God? As a matter of fact, their cry is, God, why don't you hear what I'm saying? I feel like I'm in a pit here and the weight of your wrath is weighing down on me. I would say that I probably am not alone in saying that I've been there before. I've been there. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you've been there. Psalm 77 says, Will will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has His steadfast love forever ceased? Are His promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His compassion? Psalms 13 verses 1 through 2 says, How long, O God, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long should my enemy be exalted over me? David wrote that psalm. Psalms 51, if you go read it, is a repentance that David was dealing with after he had dealt with some sin. And we're going to talk about that later, uh, of one of the reasons why he was where he was. But the fact is, David, a man after God's own heart, is in a place where he's writing a psalm that says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Have you forgotten to show me graciousness? And I'm paraphrasing, but... That's what he says. Have you, have you forgotten to show me grace? The youth praise team just sung a great song of, I will trust in God. And, and we know that word. Listen to me. 
as I stand before you, I know that word. You know that word. You've heard that word. But when a teenager says, I'm not feeling it. I want to give up. Just trust God. How do I take that and plug it in? How do I take those simple words and plug it in? Tonight, I I want us to look at what I believe are three reasons. And these may not be all the reasons, but I believe these are three popular reasons why we sometimes are not feeling it. Why we sometimes are not connected. And when I say not feeling it, I want you to understand what I'm saying here because I don't want you to think I'm teaching some bad doctrine here. It's You're not, you're not feeling the presence of God. It's kind of like, not that we're looking for some sensation, but you're praying and your prayers aren't being answered. You're, you're going and you're witnessing it and the fruits aren't coming from it. You're preaching and the fruits aren't coming from it. You, you know what I'm saying? You wake up in the morning and you're like, I ain't feeling it. I think y'all follow me. And I believe there's three things that we can look at tonight. And they're not going to be long, but there's three things that I think are reasons why this might be in our lives. So if you're here tonight, and and maybe you find yourself here, listen. If you're here tonight and you say, hey, I'm good, man. I wake up every morning like my wife does, and I'm jumping and yelling, and I'm singing, and I don't know where she gets that from, y'all. I really don't. But that's for real. She wakes up singing. Did your dad do that? Oh, my goodness. I'm not a morning person. She is, okay? I get going about 10 o'clock if I'm lucky. She's singing and going. That's not me. So some mornings I roll out to bed, and I'm not feeling it physically, mentally. mentally, See, I can't even speak. And spiritually, not feeling it. So maybe these three, it may be that you need to say, hey, I've never been there. I promise you this, you will be. At some point in your life, you will be there. Listen to what the Lord has to say to us. First thing, John. Turn over to John. And we're going to look at John chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading in verse uh, 30. Well, let's back up to 29. I think we need to see what, what's said here. Jesus replied, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one who has sent. And then in verse 30 it says, What sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, just as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This is the disciples. They're walking with Jesus, okay? They're not hearing about Jesus. They're not reading about Jesus. These guys are walking with Jesus every day. Now, most of you have been in church for a while. You know the stories. 
Jesus is healing people. He's raising people from the dead. He's bringing sight to the blind. He's making crippled people get up and walk. I mean, you see in some stuff here that is mind-blowing. And here the disciples find themselves when Jesus turned and said, This has been given to you so that you may believe. And they say, What you going to do to make us believe you? What kind of signs, what kind of performance are you going to do to make us believe you? Here's, here's point number one. If you find yourself, I'm not feeling it, number one is you may be overlooking it. You see, the disciples were right in the midst of God working. And they overlooked it. They looked past what they had already seen and they looked to what they didn't see. They wanted more. They wanted the show to go on. And I'm not throwing them under the bus. We're the same way. I mean, here's the reality. We talk about trusting in God, and many of us struggle with that fact. But here's a question. How many of you can look back to salvation and say, Nah, that wasn't really a miracle. It was just, you know, God just saved me. If that's your response, you need to get saved. Because it's serious. Because you pass from death to life. You, you no longer are walking around in your, in your mummy suit. You've been set free. Your chains are gone. You are now a free, living being. That's a miracle. And for some of us, we get so complacent in where we are that we forget that. You see, we get caught up in our world that even in our own church, you know, man, I, I remember back in the old church, man, we used to have this, that, and that. Well, what's God doing today? He's doing miracles right here today. He's healing people. He's bringing people, healing them in ways that we don't understand, but healing them even the less. He's bringing them from death to life. He's moving them along the journey, as Pastor talked about, through maturity. That's, that's a blessing right there. So many things in our life that we take for granted. We overlook God. We overlook his working. How many of you have done experiencing God in your life? The, the study, experiencing God. If you've never done it, I highly recommend it. It's a great book. Uh, it, it's, it's, it teaches you how to understand that God is always at work. We have to find, we have to sometimes look to see where God's working, but He's always at work. And sometimes, I believe, point one, we overlook Him. We look for these big miracles or these other things that we think Oh, well, that's God. Now, let me, let me bring this back to application here because uh, we're dealing right now in our, in our culture with a shift in church. Uh, I can say this. I'm the youth pastor, and I'm not going to hold no punches. Our students are leaving churches like ours to go to churches that have lights and smoke and mirror, and it feels good. I'm not going to lie to you. When you leave, you're like, whoa, my hair was standing up on my arm. Well, that's because of the electricity. There's a lot of it. There's some amplifiers in there. It's fired up. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm not telling you every church that, I'm not telling you that every church that does that is bad doctrine and not doing what they are. That's not what I'm telling you. That's, the Bible doesn't tell us all that. It doesn't tell us how, how we should do things as far as that goes. The lights on, lights off. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is they begin to search for the sensation of the feeling. And they overlook that God is working in this church. We just had a team go to Haiti and do some amazing, or not Haiti, yeah, Haiti, sorry, and do some amazing things. Some amazing things. God used them 
to do some amazing things, even when they doubted what God was going to do. And I'm not, just, no, I'm not throwing him under the bus. He said that himself. I was ready to shut it down, and God showed up. But we, don't, we overlook that. We overlook that. Because we don't see something right here. We don't see droves coming down the aisle right here, so God must not be working. We overlook him. Second thing, and we're going to spend a little time here. This is an obvious one that probably you are already thinking to begin with because, quite honestly, most Christians, when someone in their Sunday school says, I got a prayer request, I'm struggling, I'm just not feeling good, what's the first thing everybody in the Sunday school starts thinking? They got sin in their life. Right? Y'all Baptists, come on, y'all right. And then you leave and you say, hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. Let me tell you why I heard about their prayer request. This is what's going on. Pick, pick your feet up. That's what, ha- that's what happens. So, so the second thing, the second part of what I believe causes this is a numb heart. A numb heart. Matthew chapter 13 verse 15 says, for this, for this people's heart has grown dull. Listen to this. Don't lose this. Listen. This people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. You see, sin causes what we call in the Christian culture a hardened heart. You become numb. You become callous to God. Sin causes a separation in our relationship. Now, I want you to understand that sin doesn't cause us to lose our salvation. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what Scripture says. But what it does is it puts a separation in communion with God. Oh, he showed us a great illustration. How many of y'all married? Raise your hand. If you're married, raise your hand. Some of y'all reluctant. I'm not going to get you in too much trouble. You and your spouse are getting along great. Things are good. And you don't shut the toilet seat. <laughs> Communication has now been broken. And you've got to figure out why it's broken. God gave us a picture in our relationship with our spouse that sometimes relationships, even with each other, when something happens, there can be a separation in that. And what happens when that separation comes? We don't want to be around that person, do we? Now, I'm not talking about God don't want to be around us. God wants to be with us. It says that while we were yet sinners, He sent His Son to die for us. So our sin doesn't affect where God goes. But what it does for us is, oh boy, I left the toilet seat up. I don't want to go in there and face her. I don't want to have to hear what she's going to say. I'm just going to go out here and cut some grass. I'm going to go do something else. And so the communication gets broken. Sin does the same thing in our life. When we sin against God, when we sin in our life, there's a separation. Now listen what happens. What happens when we sin, and and we did a great study in our youth group called What Every Christian Ought to Know. And we went through some of these things. This was not one of them, but we went through some of these things. And one of them was, what do we do as Christians when we sin? Well, when you sin as a Christian, the Holy Spirit, number one, is going to convict you of that sin. And when He convicts you of that sin, then we have a response to that, which is repentance. That's where 1 John 1, 9, you're going to hear that a lot tonight. That's where we go to that. 
We confess our sins. He's faithful. He's just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when that happens, we're cleansed from all unrighteousness. We're brought right back into communion perfectly hand in hand. But what happens, listen, is when we as Christians hear the Holy Spirit convict us and we say, hmm, I don't, I don't really want to go to God over that. I kind of like it. I, I want to just keep on going. What, what is my girlfriend going to think if I tell her that I was convicted about this? What, what is my boss going to think if I tell him that I was convicted about taking this? I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm just going to keep going. And if that happens and we don't confess that sin, then what happens is a numbness begins to come over our heart. In other words, that knocking from the Holy Spirit that you hear, it's knocking. You don't hear it. It ain't that it ain't knocking. The, word, the Scripture just tells us, if you'll hear, he'll, he'll, he'll answer it. But you don't hear it. You have your eyes closed and your ears closed and you're just marching on, ignoring the call. Sin separates us from God's relationship in a way for us that sometimes we wake up and we don't feel it because that sin has gotten between us and God. God's not going anywhere. He's right there. As a matter of fact, every step you take away from Him, He's taking a step to you. So that as soon as you turn around, there he is. God's not going anywhere, but we separate. And because God's holy, he can't just say, well, it's okay. I love you. It's all right. You wouldn't do that to your kids. If you, if you told your kid not to, or your grandkid, you told them not to touch the stove, it'll burn you. And yet they constantly go over to the stove. Or you're just going to say, you know what? I love them, and I don't want to hurt their feelings. So I'm just going to let them go ahead and touch the stove. No, you wouldn't do that. Some of them you might want to stick on the stove, but that's not... You wouldn't do that. You would not do that. God's not going to do that. So we have a numb heart. And that numb heart is where David found himself in Psalm 51. I love Psalm 51, and people say, that is weird. Yeah, but you know what? It's real. I mean, this is a man after God's own heart who has committed... There goes my notes, y'all. Who has committed one of... In our eyes, as Christians in a church, oh, that is the, the sin of all sins. He cheated on his spouse. He cheated with this other lady. And he killed the lady's husband to try to cover it up. That's some stuff you see on live TV today. And that happened in David's life. And then you know what happened after that? David, the Holy Spirit, Nathaniel came to David. God used a prophet to come to him and say, you know what you did. And God knows what you did. And David said, you're right. I have sinned greatly. And Psalms 51 is part of that cry. If you've never read it, I encourage you to go read it. David realized that there was sin that he wasn't feeling the presence of God in his life because there was sin that was separating him from his God. And he went to Psalms 51 and he says, Purge me with hyssop. Wash me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew my spirit. Those are words that David used in Psalm 51. 
You see, he was asking God to forgive him and cleanse him. You know what David was doing right there? He was quoting 1 John 1, 9 before it even came about. He was saying, God, I've sinned. I need your forgiveness in this sin. I'm, I can't do anything about it. But God says he's faithful and he's just to come and to forgive us and to cleanse us as though we have never sinned again. And then the next thing about that is not only the numb heart, but we continue in that. It's like, okay, I did it one time. God's not going to forgive me now. I've already asked for forgiveness one time for that. And that's a trap that I see our teenagers in all the time and I see our adults in all the time. Now, I'm not telling you, and Paul even says, what then, do we just make a mockery of grace? No. But we understand that 70 times 70 times 70, it doesn't matter. We can go to the Father and we can confess our sins and He is faithful and just every single time. It doesn't give us a license to say, well, God's going to forgive me. I'm just going to go do it. If that's your attitude, there's a whole other problem that we have to talk about. But it doesn't matter if you go to God and say, God, I just asked for forgiveness of this. And it's trapped me again. It's got me again. Guess what? God will forgive you and help you move from that. That's the kind of God we serve. The third and final thing tonight. So we got, we overlooking. John 6.30, we see that. And then the numbness of our hearts. When sin enters our life, there's numbness that comes in. And, and it can separate us from that. And then the last thing is the obscured focus. And I thought about Peter when he stepped out of the boat. Another great story in the Bible. And he keeps his eyes on Jesus and he's walking on the water. Y'all know the story. But when he takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink. Obscured focus has to do with situations. In our lives, many times, this moment in our lives, this I don't feel God moments, a lot of times will be sparked by situations in our life. We're not overlooking Him. We're not, we don't have sin in our life. But we're in a place in our life where maybe some trials and tribulations are in our life. Maybe some persecution, which we don't know a whole lot about now, but it's coming more and more so. And as it comes into our life, we recognize, you know, I'm in this place that I don't want to be in. And maybe in that place, in that time, that's when the obscured focus happens in our life. And it simply means that our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's what the Scripture tells us, right? So when we get into these places of obscured focus, when we get into these places where the problem becomes our focus, we take our eyes off of what? The Word of God. We take our eyes off of what we know. I have a great quote that I love to tell students who are in this position, and I sent it to the student that needed this, and it was simply this. Do what you know until you feel it. In other words, if you don't feel like it today, doesn't matter. Do what you know. Because your feelings will eventually catch up with what you know. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes this, this doesn't make sense. Why would God love me? I haven't done anything. I, I am a nobody to Him. Why would He love me? Look at all the pain I cause Him, and yet He loves me. Why would, some, why would He do that? It doesn't make sense. No. So what keeps me going? Should I then just say, well, it doesn't make sense. I'm not doing it. I trust the Word of God. 
that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should never perish but have everlasting life. He said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Those are truths that we can trust. We know. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what my circumstances and my situation is. Some of you tonight may be in a situation you're saying, Sam, but you don't understand where I'm at. You're right, I don't. But he does. Paul, sitting in a jail cell, as I love Philippians, and as we're going through that in, in Sunday mornings, uh, we did a study, as some of our youth and youth workers did a study on the book of Philippians. And one of the things about that book is Paul's attitude in the midst of a trial in his life where, you know what, I've done everything right. I'm sharing the gospel, and yet here he is stuck in prison, and he considered it joy. Why? Because Paul was a super Christian? No. Paul was just a man like us. But he trusted. He knew what he trusted. He knew the God of the Word. He knew God's character throughout history. He knew the way that he had come to him on that path even when he was going to kill Christians. He knew that. When our focus gets obscured, we sometimes feel like, I ain't feeling the presence of God in my life today. Because we've now begun to focus on what's around us and not what's in us. And sometimes we've got to take a step back and, and realize. And, and I take you to that scripture where as Peter was sinking in the water, did Jesus say, what, what a loser. I mean, you're sitting there looking at me and you're, you're sinking in the water. Did he say that to him? Did he say, you ain't even got enough faith to just stand up there? He, he, he didn't say that to him. He, he did what? He reached down and he grabbed him by the hand. He pulled him up. You know what that tells me? It tells me that even when we don't have enough faith, he'll reach right down there and pull us up. So even when I don't feel it, and there's times when I don't feel it, and it may not be because of sin in my life, it may not be because of I'm overlooking him, looking for some sensational thing in my life, it may just simply be that I'm looking at the obstacles around me and not focused on the God that I know and I may be sinking because, quite frankly, sometimes my faith is weak. And he reaches down and grabs me. And he pulls me up. I want to close by sharing a couple of scriptures with you that mean something to me in these situations. Scripture is, is a wonderful thing. And I thank God for those who, the, the Timothy Award winners this morning because what they don't realize is the scriptures that they've memorized to them right now may just be blah, blah, blah. But at some point in their life, those scriptures are going to come back up. When they need it, it's going to come back up in their mind. And tonight, you may be here and you may say, you know, I, I don't know what scripture, I don't know this place, I don't know that place. God will bring it to you. That's why it's important for us to know God's word. That's why it's important for us to study and memorize Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If you want to turn there, you can turn there. I'll give you a second. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8.
It says, you are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this. Though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes through refined by fire, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love Him, though you have not seen Him. And though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. What a verse. What a Scripture verse. It says that you are protected by God's power. And you don't even know how much you love God, but you do. And when that time comes and it's revealed after the refining is done and He can see His image in you, you're going to bring Him glory and honor and praise, which is what you were created to do. And when you're doing what you're created to do, you have peace and joy and harmony in your life because you have hub, as Pastor always likes to share. It's all in line. And then the next verse is Joshua Chapter 1, verse 9 says, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I don't know where you are tonight or how you came tonight. I don't even know what the title of this message, when I first said it about I'm not feeling it, what was the first thing that came in your mind? Probably like, he's going to bail on us. But the reality is, I know that I've been there. And I know that if you're honest, you've been there. And maybe tonight you're there now. And you're saying, I'm not feeling it. I would challenge you. Are you overlooking him? Is there sin in your life? Or, quite frankly, do we have an obscured focus because we're looking at the things around us and not what's in us? As we get ready to close tonight, I'm just going to ask you if God's dealing with you tonight with sin in your life. I'm not trying to be a Job's friend here tonight and tell you that there is sin in your life. The Holy Spirit can do that. If there is, I urge you, don't put it off. Don't put it on the back burner. Deal with it. 1 John 1, nine. I quote it every single day, at least once a day. That's how sinful I am. We need to be quoting that verse to God. You know why? Because that's a promise from God. He says if we confess, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. If you have sin in your life, I urge you to come. Deal with that sin tonight. We don't need to know what that is, but you need to deal with it. If, the, if the, the world and the things around you have obscured your focus, that's not necessarily that we've sinned. It just simply means that there, there's things around us that have upset our apple cart, if you will. Ask God to give you the vision back. Say, God, I took my eyes off of you. Just like you did with Peter. Would you reach down in my doubtful waters and pull me up? Maybe tonight... The sin that you've committed is not a sin like David did. Maybe it's a sin that you are not doing what God's called you to do. You see, we get tied up in the sin that 
oh, I've, I've done this or I've done this. What about the things that you haven't done that God's called you to do? There may be some missionaries sitting out here. They're sitting in sin because God's called you somewhere and you're sitting here saying, I'm not going. I'm not doing that. Maybe there's some preachers sitting here that God's called you to preach and you're saying, I'm not going. I'm not doing it. Maybe there's some worship leaders here. Maybe there's somebody here that just needs to go to their neighbor and share their faith and God's told you to do it and you won't do it. That's sin. Whatever it is, whatever you may be, I pray tonight that you'll deal accordingly with what God's spoken. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I pray that as your word has gone out, that, Father God, you would honor it. And that as there are many different types of people here today, my heart is heavy for those who may be here with emptiness. This is not a light subject as the thoughts of just giving up is so relevant, not only in our teenagers, but in our adults and in our senior adults. Father, I pray that you would show us tonight that, God, you are still working among us and through us. And even if we don't feel it tonight, may we not base what we know as feeling. May we trust what we know until our feelings catch up with that. Thank you for reminding us of that tonight. I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.